Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Hello, and welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm Mark Rutland. I'm the executive director of the National Institute of Christian Leadership, and I'm delighted that you've joined for this podcast because I have a very special topic I want to talk about and hope that you'll stay tuned. At the end of the broadcast, I want to talk to you just a few moments about coming to be a part of the National Institute of Christian Leadership, which I think will be a great blessing to you. Now, we read in the newspaper, see on TV, these crazy moments of what we call road rage, where a single mom pulls up at a stop sign, bumps the car in front of her for some reason, and some guy gets out, shoots into the car, wounds her, cripples her for life, kills a baby. He goes to prison for the rest of his life. Her family is is damaged for always. And we always shake our heads and we say, oh, don't you? What in the world was that all about? What was that about? And we call it road rage. What's the source of all that? What, what makes that happen? I want to connect it for you to a story in the Bible. And if you're not a person of faith, then just listen to the story and see how it connects. I want to talk to, to you about the connection between rage and entitlement. So the story is in Daniel chapter 3. There are four uh, Jewish slaves uh, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they are called by their names there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think you know the names. And Nebuchadnezzar sets up a, a massive statue of himself, which he commands every person to worship in this extravagant flamboyant worship service, orchestra, and the whole deal. And when it all begins and the music begins, everyone in the kingdom is to fall down before this statue and worship. But these three Hebrew boys refuse. And someone rats them out. They come to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, these three refuse to fall down and worship. The next verse says, And depending on the translation that you read, in his rage and fury, King James, in a fit of rage, one of the modern translations, however you translate it, the issue there is rage. Now, certainly you might say that Nebuchadnezzar was enraged because they disobeyed him, but there's a subtler, deeper, more important reason that he's enraged. You might, one might, the state might, for example, punish someone um, if you commit, if one commits a burglary, you're caught, the state punishes you, but it really, you really can't say that the state is enraged that you broke the law. But here, Nebuchadnezzar, as the personification of the state, of the nation, he is enraged over the disobedience. Why, why enraged? It is because he feels entitled to their worship and adoration. He deserves their worship. And therefore, the fact that they withhold that worship from him, that he doesn't 
in other words, get what's coming to him. He doesn't receive that, that to which he is entitled. It's that, not just the disobedience, which enrages him. He is entitled to be obeyed. He's entitled to be worshipped. And that sense of entitlement is what causes him to go into fury and rage. Well, you may say, how does that connect to the guy with the gun at the intersection? It's this. He, dis- he is entitled to his position in the line. He is entitled not to be cut off. He's entitled to his position in traffic. He's entitled to being um, worshipped, in fact, by other people in the other cars. And when they don't, when he doesn't get his way, it's, it's not simply the damage to his car. It's, it's that he doesn't get the respect and adoration and personal um, priority that he thinks should be his, and therefore he flies into a rage. Rage is at the source of so many things in rebellion because that rage is fueled by entitlement. The spirit of entitlement is haunting the West right now. I'm entitled to everything that I can't afford. I'm entitled to a better car, better insurance, better house, better housing. Then it comes down to I'm entitled to somebody else's money. I'm entitled to what somebody else has built. I'm entitled to to their fortune. I'm I'm entitled to their fame. Why Why do fans sometimes become enraged at the the star that they idolize. It is because they feel they are there. They begin by admiring them. Then they end by hating them because they envy the, the stardom and the wealth and the fame that they have. And they feel they're entitled to it. I should be just that famous. I should be just that wealthy. And that entitlement, that spirit that says, I deserve this is the, is actually the gasoline on the fire of rage. I, I remember uh, years ago, I was counseling with a, a teenage girl who had been adopted as a small child by her grandparents. And they were older, they weren't prepared to raise a grandchild, but there was a necessity, there was a family problem, a breakup, and they stepped in and took the little girl in. At great sacrifice to themselves, they adopted this grandchild. And now in her teenage years, she was rebellious. She was angry. She was making life difficult for them. And, and I said to her, don't you understand the sacrifice that they made? Don't you understand? They didn't have to take you. They had no responsibility. They're, they're not your parents. They're your grandparents. They sacrificed greatly. They took you in at a time when, when they could have had, you know, really the, the end years of their life could have been wonderful without the responsibility of a child. She said, I know that. Don't you think I know that? But she said, am I supposed to be grateful for the rest of my life? And I said, yes, you are supposed to be grateful for the rest of your life. The ax that is at the root of the poison tree of entitlement is gratitude and humility. As long as I feel I'm deserve, I deserve this, I'm entitled to it, when anything, life, history, some strata of society, when anything deprives me of it, 
rage will be the result. But as soon as I say, I'm humble before God, I'm grateful for whatever I get, I'm not counting on what I deserve, I'm not counting on what I ought to have, I thank God for His grace and His mercy to me, and I'm going to live the rest of my life in humility and gratitude, then entitlement is put to death. It has no more control over my life. And without that entitlement, the rage that flows from it will be dried up at the root. Entitlement causes rage. The death of entitlement is humility and gratitude. Now, the problem is that we have to figure out exactly where those places are where we feel entitled. The worst kinds of entitlement are not physical things. There is that. I'm entitled to a better car. I'm entitled to a better job. I'm, I'm entitled. What are, the, what's these, what are these workplace uh, shoot, shootings, these, these mass shootings in workplace? Usually they're about entitlement and rage, that I was entitled to a promotion. I didn't get it. Rage engulfs me, it consumes me, and I go in and start shooting everybody. That's, that's entitlement that fuels that kind of violent rage. But more often than that, it's not actually about something physical. It's about something emotional, relational. Now, we're back to the story of Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't want one single thing those Jewish boys had. He was king. He was wealthy beyond words. He was the richest, most powerful man in his own world. And he didn't want anything they had. What he wanted was their acquiescence to his lordship. Why why does the father in a household fly into a violent rage, scream at his wife, punch one of his children, become abusive, become this, this violent, enraged bully? It's because somehow he has created in his mind a, a, a scenario of such uh, adoration of him. So he uses words like, you, you, you're disrespecting me. You're not giving me the respect that I deserve. But he has some kind of exaggerated thing in his mind, some crazy idea of himself as like not just king in his own castle. We hear those kinds of phrases all the time. But not just that, that he is basically the Lord over their lives. He has usurped the position of God in the, in the life of his wife and children, and he wants them, like Nebuchadnezzar wanted it, he wants them to bow down and worship him. And when they don't, when they show one spark of independence, of creative thought, of, of, of the children who are growing up, the wife who wants her own life and her own humanity, her own um, goals and visions and dreams in life, that, that enraged entitlement inside of him is, is absolutely, can absolutely be out of control. And that, can, that rage can lead to violence. There is a direct connection between entitlement and rage, and rage knows no limits. It's not just being angry, not being out of sorts. I'm not talking about sulking with your spouse because you don't go to the restaurant that you wanted to go to. I'm talking about a, an internal simmering fire of rage that can burst into the open at any given moment. And it's because somehow or another, I've convinced myself I'm entitled to something that I'm not getting 
and it causes this kind of rage. I can give you an example, and it's a difficult one. The husband who feels that he's entitled to his wife's body, to sex, anytime, any way that he wants it. And when she's fatigued or tired or reluctant with certain sexual activities, he feels he's entitled. He's the king of her life. He's the Lord in the home. He's the the master of his own mansion. And she shows even reluctance because even her reluctance sends his wounded emotional self the signal that he's not the king that she absolutely adores and worships. And the result of that, over that withholding of sex or that that sexual uh, tension can be rage. Many of those husbands become violent, beat their wives. They're violent bullies. But the source of it was that they felt deprived of something, sex in this case, to which they were actually entitled. Now, take it out of the bedroom and into the streets. What do we say to these people like this Antifa, the anti-fascist group? What is all that about? That dress up in black and cover their faces and, and drag people out of their cars and beat them half to death and claim that they are anti-fascist. I mean, that's got to be one of the most ironical uh, realities of all is that they are quintessential fascists. They are fascists. They are just like the black shirts in in Europe in the 1930s, they beat people up in the streets, they they loot stores, they they cause riots, they, they burn anything, they shut down any voice of opposition. They have these uh, speakers that go to speak at a college campus and there's riots and they burn the buildings and they're, they're going to shut down. They're entitled, they say, not to hear what that speaker has to say. They're entitled not to be bombarded with a message that makes them uncomfortable. They're entitled to their, to their tidy little safe space. They're entitled to have their way in the government. They're entitled to have their way in whatever, literature, everything. That's what book burning is an entitlement. I'm entitled to control the message that society is receiving right now. And when that is frustrated, the result is rage. What you see in these Antifa thugs in the street is rage, which is born of entitlement. They feel entitled to control the government, control the outcome, have whatever they want, have power, and they don't win at the ballot box. They're going to win with a billy club. And that, that is the essence of their rage. They feel entitled. Entitlement brings rage. The axe at the root of the poison tree of entitlement is humility. That is to say, I'm not after what I deserve. Anything that God does, whatever good that he does in my life is a work of grace. And I'm going to be grateful to him, grateful to my parents, grateful to society, grateful for all that God has brought into my life and all the good that other people have done in my life. There is a, an actual war for the soul of people between entitlement and humility, between rage and gratitude. These Hebrew boys who said to themselves, we're not worshiping the king. They didn't say we deserve life. We deserve to be the king. They said, 
God is the Lord of our lives. He is the Lord of our lives. We don't even know if we'll be preserved alive, but we're going to worship God whether he saves us or doesn't save us. So they were in total humility toward the God who saved them. The rage was all on the part of the king who felt he deserved their worship and adoration. The humility and gratitude. It seems if anybody was going to be enraged, it's somebody who's about to be thrown into a fiery furnace. I can see how that person would be filled with rage. Instead, they were filled with calm faith. We're worshiping God. So the bully at the street corner in in an automobile accident who jerks out a gun and starts shooting people, he is an entitled God whose way has been frustrated by lesser beings. The bully husband who punches his wife or screams at her, humiliates her because he feels that she hasn't given him everything he wanted when he wanted it. He is an enraged God of his own life. But the humble, grateful servant of the Lord who realizes I have more than I deserve and I'm grateful for it. That person is free of entitlement and rage. I hope this has been useful for you, and I hope that you'll think on these things and pray these things through. I'm glad that you joined me today for the Leader's Notebook, and I hope you'll be back next week. Let me speak to you about the National Institute of Christian Leadership. It's a program that I teach personally, live and in person, and I'd love for you to be there with me. You can find out all about it by going to thenicl.com. I believe it's a course that will change everything. We deal with the practicalities of life and leadership. I hope you'll join me. Until next time, this is The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.